This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. The more liberal wing of the Democratic Party is nearing its breaking point with Senator Kirsten Sinema. Over the weekend, while Sinema was in town, members of the nonprofit Living United for Change in Arizona, also known as Lucha, followed her into a bathroom at Arizona State University. They shouted their grievances at her for not supporting more accommodating immigration reforms. We knocked on doors for you to get you elected, and just how we got you elected, we can get you out of office if you don't support what you promised us. The senator was also parodied in the cold open of the most recent episode of Saturday Night Live. On one side, we have the moderate Democrats, Kirsten Sinema from Arizona. What do I want from this bill? I'll never tell. Because I didn't come to Congress to make friends. And so far, mission accomplished. She was portrayed as the senator derailing legislation the Biden administration wants to move forward with, including the $3.5 trillion human infrastructure package. Cinema has said that is too expensive for her vote, but she hasn't really made clear what she would support. Welcome to The Gaggle, an AZ Central podcast where we chat with reporters, experts, and special guests to keep you fully informed on the state's political news. I'm your co-host, Yvonne Winget Sanchez. I cover national politics for the Arizona Republic. And I'm Ron Hansen, also a national reporter for the Republic. In today's episode, we're talking to Emily Kirkland, the executive director of Progress Arizona, a progressive community nonprofit. She'll help us better understand why the left is so angry at Kirsten Cinema and what they're doing about it. Thanks for joining us today, Emily. Thanks so much for having me. Kirsten Cinema was the first Democrat to win a U.S. Senate race in historically red Arizona in 30 years. She ran as a centrist Democrat and obviously narrowly won, as did President Joe Biden two years later. What specifically did progressives do to help get her elected? We did a lot of work. So progressives, um, organizers knocked hundreds of thousands of doors, spoke to hundreds of thousands of voters, so many phone calls, texts, sending out messages on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. Um, You know, I worked like 13-hour days for many months in a row in 2018, and I certainly wasn't alone. There were a lot of organizations who have been building power and reaching out and organizing um, in communities across Arizona for years who really went all in to get cinema elected in 2018. So given the closeness of the results for her, and especially with President Biden two years later, uh, how much should the progressive wing of the Democratic Party expect from anybody who has to run statewide in Arizona at this point? Yeah, I think that progressives should expect, um, you know, kind of what everyone expects, which is that we want politicians who will stand up for their values, stand up for what's right, and pay attention to what voters want. 
And part of what's so frustrating about the situation right now is that it feels like progressives are really allied with so many other parts of the Democratic Party in pushing for policies that are extremely popular with voters. And I don't think it's wild to ask politicians to do what's right, especially if voters are uh, really clear in saying that those policies are popular. So be specific about the issues that you see that you deem most concerning for Senator Cinema. I think that there's a lot of topics, but one that I think it's interesting to talk about is prescription drug pricing reform. So this is something that Senator Cinema ran on. It was a big part of her campaign that she was going to make prescription drugs cheaper. This is basically one of the most popular things ever polled in the history of polling, right? It could not be clearer that this is something that voters support. And now we have a situation where she is blocking that policy from becoming law while accepting contributions from and doing fundraisers with pharmaceutical lobbyists who are trying to block it. And that's an example of the frustration that we feel. Um, She really is blocking extremely popular policies while raising money from corporate interests that are trying to stop them. Beyond the prescription drug pricing, which is contained in um, a proposal, the the $3.5 trillion uh, human infrastructure proposal, um, and she has not yet articulated specifically what she opposes um, as part of that plan, what else are progressives really frustrated with her on? (laughs) It's almost easier to list the things we're not frustrated by. And I really don't think it's just progressives anymore. I think you're seeing moderate and centrist Democrats speak out. You're seeing frustration from left-leaning independents. Um, That's true of voters here in Arizona, and it's true of people across the country. Um, And so there's just so many topics. She's blocking increases in taxes on the wealthy and corporations that are hugely popular and really important. Um, Her refusal to state what she does and doesn't like about the um, Build Back Better agenda makes it hard to know exactly what she's blocking. But, you know, there's childcare in that bill, um, policies to make healthcare premiums cheaper, um, efforts to invest in clean energy. Um, It's a really popular agenda um, that she really does seem to be blocking big portions of. And that's before we even touch on path to citizenship for dreamers and essential workers, voting rights, LGBTQ rights, workers' rights. I mean, there's just a lot of issues. Clearly, there's a lot of policy disagreements here uh, with the senator at this point. But how much of this is uh, substantive? How much of this is just wondering where she stands? Uh, and, And how, if at all, can you start to get the kind of clarity from her that you're seeking? Yeah, um, I actually really think those are all linked together because it feels like the broad issue here is a lack of accountability to voters, to Arizonans. So she doesn't hold town halls. She doesn't hold public events. Her office is shuttered. Um, If you stay too long, they'll call the police on you. And at the same time, she is blocking policies that voter support um, that Joe Biden campaigned on when he won the state. And so it feels like she's both refusing to act on the changes that voters do want to see, while also refusing to be accountable to even answer questions about where she stands and why. Can you think of anything that she has done specifically vote-wise, tonally, to break a campaign promise that she made in 2018? Yeah. Again, I think prescription drug pricing reform is a perfect example just because it was not just a promise, but really front and center in her campaign. But you actually see it across the board, um, again, with so many of those different issues on immigration reform and on health care. And at the same time, she also promised to be someone who 
you know, would be willing to bridge divides. And she's now in a situation where she is just so dismissive of people to her left, progressives, but at this point, many moderates too are to her left. And just everything from the F off ring to um, just the, the kind of way that she has approached some of these topics and her refusal to answer questions, it just feels like she is incredibly dismissive um, of folks in a moment or at a time when she campaigned on bringing people together. We should note that she has been working on legislation dealing with illegal immigration. She's been working uh, with Senator Mitt Romney of Utah on a federal uh, increase to the minimum wage. Uh, We do have yet to see the details of that proposal. And she has been a uh, supporter of voting rights legislation. So just to make that really clear. What did you take away from David Garcia's uh, loss in the 2018 gubernatorial race. It happened on the same night that Kirsten Cinema won with Arizona voters. Uh, David is seen as a very um, liberal Democrat who lost by double digits to Governor Doug Ducey on the same night. Yeah, I I think that it's hard to say for sure. I think that his campaign struggled at times to raise money. Um, You know, there were sort of specific issues with the campaign that I think make it a little bit hard to generalize. Um, I also think it is true. Like Arizona is a purple state. We're not a deep blue state. And that's part of why I feel so much urgency on Democrats delivering on their promises to voters and delivering on policies that are extremely popular. Because the truth is, like, the margins are narrow. Um, David Garcia lost. Cinema barely won. Kelly and Biden barely won. And so it's imperative that we pass policies that voters support um, so that Democrats can campaign on them. What grade would you give Cinema today? And is there anything that she can do to significantly change that grade ahead of her reelection in 2024? Amazing question. I recently gave her an F minus with a giant report card on her door. So uh, no question about where I stand on that. Um, And again, it comes down to both her efforts to block super popular policies, but also her just total inaccessibility to constituents. And absolutely, I think that there's time for her to move, to reassess, and to start to shift where she's at on things like the filibuster, on this Build Back Better agenda. Um, We've still got a lot of time before 2024. Um, But for right now, I am certainly extremely dissatisfied with her performance. Okay, so let's talk about the filibuster for just a moment. She seems to have really uh, put herself at odds with the liberal left earlier this year uh, over her refusal to scrap the legislative filibuster. As a practical matter, Senator Mark Kelly has only said that he supports unspecified reforms that need to be made uh, with the filibuster, but that's not unambiguous support for doing away with it. Uh, also, there are other senators such as Gene Shaheen of New Hampshire, Diane Feinstein of California, John Tester of Montana, who also have expressed some misgivings with uh, doing away with the current system. Um, is it fair to hammer Senator Cinema over this issue when it looks like she's not the only obstacle to it? 
Yeah, a couple things. So first, um, I do think that her vocal support for the filibuster has been a real obstacle to moving this conversation forward. I think that if she weren't out there defending the filibuster every day and it were just Joe Manchin sort of with that vocal support and, and some of these other folks more quietly, I do think that the politics of the issue would shift and there might be more of an opening. And I do think that Mark Kelly, he should be taking a stance. He should be saying that we need to get rid of the filibuster. He's up for re-election in just a year. The filibuster is blocking really important reforms um, that I think could be important to voters going into that race. And the final thing is, of course, you know, we live in Arizona. So I'm pushing uh, Sen Sen <laughs> Senator Cinema and Kelly to come out on this. If there are any gaggle listeners in California, Montana, New Hampshire, strongly urge them to hammer their senators on this. Um, but of course, we're here in Arizona. Her response to some of this criticism has essentially been either silence or, you know, look, I am doing in Washington exactly what I promised Arizona voters I would do, and that is to not necessarily be specifically aligned with any one party or outlook, but rather to, to try to find some common ground with both. What is your response to that sentiment? She campaigned on going to Washington to get stuff done. That was a big phrase that you heard a lot in her campaign. And the reality is that she is blocking a lot of important and popular things from getting done. And there has to be a recognition that the dynamics in Washington are such that with the filibuster in place, with the level of partisanship that we have, it actually is going to be really hard to deliver for voters without being willing to stand up to Republican intransigence, um, without being willing to deal with the filibuster. So my response is cinema campaigned on getting things done, and voters expect her to deliver on that. And so far, it feels like that hasn't been happening. Kirsten Cinema was well known in the activist left community almost 20 years ago. Um, do you think liberals are holding her to expectations from that earlier time? Do you think that they're judging her only by who she ran as in 2018 or who she has been in Washington only? I think at this point, liberals, and again, many moderate and centrist Democrats at this point, too, are holding her to the basic expectations of a U.S. senator, that you are available to constituents, that you um, do public events and town halls, that you articulate your values, and that you make an effort to deliver on your promises to voters. Speaking about delivering, when others were walking away from compromising on Biden's physical infrastructure uh, proposal, Biden asked Cinema to help broker a deal. And she did that. And because of her work, and her colleagues have all talked about uh, her work on that bill, the Senate passed the infrastructure plan with 69 votes. What do progressives make of her work on that front? Yeah, um, it has been it has been funny. There's been so many machinations in Washington recently about this bill that I do think many people are not are not following. There's there's a lot of inside baseball happening. Um, I think the big picture is that um, there's a lot of really urgent issues facing the country, and Biden and the entire Democratic Party ran on addressing those issues, and they won. And it really goes beyond. Uh, pretty standard highway reauthorization bill, which is a component of this bipartisan compromise, and then some investments in physical infrastructure. There's a need to deal with 
the cost of childcare, the cost of healthcare, um, clean energy, climate. Um, there's a need to deal with the um, need for a path to citizenship. And so uh, that, that compromise deal, it represents just such a small fraction of the agenda that I think it's still completely reasonable to say that we need action on all of these other pieces. Okay, so let's talk about the other side of this the bill that you've made reference to repeatedly. Uh, Senator Cinema and Manchin don't support the three and a half trillion dollar uh, human safety net proposal at this point. Uh, both have said the price tag is too high for them. Uh, Senator Cinema has been less specific about what she is holding out for uh, in any additional legislation. She has said, though, that she is concerned about the consequences of inflation, for example, uh, coming out of that. She has also said she wants to see some kind of climate change mitigation efforts included in that. Um, what's wrong with a significant increase in physical infrastructure, as would be uh, the case under the legislation that passed the Senate, and taking some scaled-back version of the House plan that at least does something on, say, climate change. Uh, isn't that a good outcome that provides at least some political cover, perhaps helping extend the Democratic majority in the House or the Senate? Uh, what would be wrong with something like that? Yeah. So just to say kind of at the outset, part of what has been so frustrating about this process has been a, a lack of information about exactly where cinema and mansion stand. And then some of the concerns that they've raised don't quite add up. So if inflation is the worry, you know, this is a package to bring down prices on or bring down the costs that people face on childcare, on healthcare, on housing, which are some of those really big ticket items as people are doing their budget, you know, month to month. And similarly, there's so much concern about how, it how much it costs without acknowledging the plan is to raise taxes on billionaires, on the very rich, on corporations, to reverse the huge Trump-era tax cuts. Um, and so the plan would be paid for. And big picture, I would say, cinema is the one currently blocking an outcome where there can be a discussion about, okay, here's what can be done on physical infrastructure, and here's what can be done on these childcare, healthcare, climate, et cetera, pieces. Because her refusal to be clear about where she stands um, has really been one of the key obstacles in moving the whole process forward. She has said that she has been clear since August to White House negotiators, to um, the Senate majority leader about specific funding of specific buckets. Um, do, is it Again, does it go back to a lack of communicating those positions publicly more than it does with frustration that she has not made her position known because clearly she has. Yeah, I mean, I guess all I can say is I, I'm not in I'm not in the Oval Office. I'm not in any of those rooms. But to hear Joe Biden tell it, cinema is the obstacle, right? He's talking about there's two people that are blocking this agenda. So from what he knows, he clearly is seeing her as an obstacle to the process. Like cinema, Senator Mark Kelly has not committed to a price tag. Uh, we've asked him repeatedly to say, would he support the $3.5 trillion bill? Does he want something more in line with what Manchin wants at like the $1.5 somewhere in between? Yet there hasn't really been pressure on him from the progressive wing of the party. Why is that? Yeah, I think a couple things. First of all, 
I think he should be held accountable, right? Like, I am looking for Kelly and his team to make clear not just where they stand, but honestly to support this whole proposal, because I think that it is really important, and I think it's really popular, and I think it's the right thing to do. And um, the other piece of this is that there are things that cinema has been hinting at, um, suggesting that, for instance, she wouldn't support any increases in taxes on the wealthy and corporations, not even reversing the huge Trump era tax cuts. And so I think that's part of where the frustration comes from, is that there's little pieces of information coming out here and there that suggest, again, that she's a major obstacle, um, just as the president has been saying. So if you compare their voting records, Mark Kelly and Kirsten Cinema are pretty darn close in terms of what they've substantively voted on. Um, clearly, she gets a lot more of your your ire these days than does Mark Kelly. Why is he not getting the same treatment? Why? What is the difference in your mind that requires such a different approach to managing these senators? What is so difficult about Washington, D.C. right now is that we have procedural obstacles like the filibuster that prevent key topics from ever even coming up for a vote. So it's so hard to for, for people to kind of track what's happening. And of course, cinema is the one or one of the key people supporting and keeping the filibuster in place. And so the things that have come up for a vote are just the tip of the iceberg in terms of the things that voters sent Democrats to D.C. to do. And yet we're not getting votes on most of those topics because of the filibuster. So if cinema isn't progressive enough for the far left wing of the Democratic Party, which she clearly is not, which Arizona Democrat would be? Yeah, I honestly think there are plenty of people who could be. And part of what's so frustrating is that, again, to me, it isn't about whether or not she's progressive enough for the left wing of the party. I'm going to be honest. Like, I'm a progressive. I knew that I was going to be mad at Kirsten Cinema, right? Like, if you had heard me on election night 2018, I worked like crazy to get her elected, and I knew that she was going to frustrate me. But it's not about me. It's about the fact that there's a much broader swath of voters and constituents that she's been inaccessible to and unresponsive to in a way that goes against the basic expectations of a, of a politician. So I really think she's like way outside the norm of what, what should be expected. So which Arizona Democrats would be more inside the norm, more palatable to Democrats? I think there's plenty. I think there's... I think there's Name them lots. specifically, please. <laughs> oh, oh, my goodness. I mean, it sort of becomes a question about, like, who do I think has been doing a good job in office, right? I'm not even saying who do I think should be in the U.S. Senate. 2024 is a long way away. Um, but I think Mark Kelly has been doing a better job as U.S. Senator. I think... Katie Hobbs has been doing a better job as Secretary of State, Kathy Hoffman a better job as Superintendent of Public Instruction. I think a lot of the folks in our state legislature, I have my disagreements with many of them, but I think that many of them are doing their jobs as politicians and as elected officials in a way that cinema isn't. So progressives are clearly angry with Senator Sinema. Um, they're lighting her up on Twitter. They're confronting her in bathrooms uh, and at political fundraisers. Yet we also see at least one poll suggesting that her position on the human infrastructure proposal is res resonating with independents and moderate Republicans, the coalition that I think she would argue, hey, this is how she ended up in the Senate in the first place. Does she owe it to the state to try and find more consensus that appeals to a broader swath of Arizonans or just to progressives? 
Yeah, she certainly, it's her job to find consensus. Absolutely. And I think what's so frustrating is that she has been paying so much attention to her positioning and her brand um, in a way that seems to be directed maybe at moderate Republicans. Sometimes it feels like it's directed at corporate lobbyists. I'm not going to lie, but so be it. Um, as opposed to paying attention to, you know, what is what is the sort of electorate? What is the what do the broad swath of Arizona voters want? And the Build Back Better agenda depends a little bit how you word it, but it's hugely popular. You know, ratings for the whole agenda and for individual pieces that are 65% support, 68% support, 62% support. Those are really high numbers in politics. Um, so I do think that she's going against what voters want in um, objecting to so many parts of this agenda. Ron's quick uh, research on this suggests that only three senators, Dick Lugar of Indiana, Joe Lieberman of Connecticut, and Bob Bennett of Utah, have lost primaries in the past five decades. Is it realistic to, th to think of defeating her in a primary in 2024? 2024 is a long way away. So a lot of things can happen between now and then. But I think that where it stands now, she's in real danger of a primary challenge. I mean, you have the folks over at OH Predictive who are not exactly progressives who are saying that, you know, pollsters are saying it um, because of her attitude, her inaccessibility to constituents and the way that she's blocking these popular policies. And it doesn't have to be this way, right? I mean, we're asking her to show up and do her job, be accessible to constituents, support policies that voters support um, and do the right thing. And so... Um, I don't think anyone can predict what will happen in 2024. It's eons away. Um, but I think there's a real chance. Okay, so last question. Um, progressives from Lucha confronted cinema in a bathroom at Arizona State University last weekend. They took video as she entered a bathroom stall and kept it going while other women were in the restroom as well. Do you think that's an acceptable tactic? Nobody wants to have a conversation with a U.S. senator in a restroom, right? I mean, that's, no one wants to be having that conversation there. And the situation is that she has made it such that it feels like you've got to write her a check for thousands of dollars to have a conversation with her anywhere else. There just aren't a lot of venues. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I don't think anybody wants that conversation to happen in a restroom. But I think that the situation is such that it has been really, really hard um, for organizers who are fighting to keep their families together um, to have any kind of conversation with her anywhere else. All right, Emily, thank you so much for joining us. If people want to follow you on Twitter, where can they find you? Absolutely. Yeah. Follow me at ER Kirkland is my uh, personal account or my organization is Progress Arizona. Thanks so much. Thank you. All right, listeners, let's dive into some afterthoughts. Yvonne, um, we asked about the bathroom video that went viral over the weekend. So how is this video playing out? Clearly, it's gotten a lot of attention, and it seems to really sort of underscore the anger and the frustration that more progressive, uh, vocal members of the party have with cinema. I think what it's also done, though, is really sort of underscore for cinema 
and to, you know, the people who are not living in this activist world, um, sort of the extreme lengths that people are willing to take to try to get an audience with her, to try to communicate with her. Um, and in doing so, you know, it, it, it may backfire. I mean, it, it certainly makes um, them look extreme. It makes them look extremely partisan. And it, it, I mean, could you imagine somebody following you into a bathroom and taking a video and putting it on social media? You know, it, it really sort of solidifies her positioning as someone who is not going to be bullied and intimidated into taking a position. But it also highlights, uh, you know, the need for people like cinema to communicate with their constituents. And I think much of this frustration is coming less because of her positioning on some of this legislation and um, uh, some of the proposals that are out there on the human infrastructure side and more a failure to communicate with the public about exactly what she wants. There seems to be such a lack of understanding about who Senator Cinema is, what she wants, what she's doing to try to get it. And so I, I do think that this is a, as much of a failure to communicate as anything. Yeah, I, I think there is the communication frustration that Emily spoke to that I think a lot of people will understand. My concern would be, well, how many people are going to hear Emily's explanation of why you go to such lengths? They will remember that video, though. The other concern that I would have is that what space now does this create for Kirsten Cinema to, you know, sort of work this out with anybody? If in doing this kind of thing, they get the result they want, doesn't that encourage more behavior like that? This is the kind of thing that uh, they have now sort of pushed Senator Cinema into a corner, almost literally, uh, where if she does back down, they will continue to do more of it. Uh, if she doesn't back down, it only angers people even further. It really is just sort of almost hitting rock bottom in a democracy for elected officials to be able to speak meaningfully and deliberate reasonably on issues of great public significance. We asked her a couple of months ago as she was selling the physical infrastructure legislation about when she might have a town hall. Would she have a town hall? Uh, I think we could sort of in slow motion see, you know, what was coming, which was um, deep frustration with her refusals to sort of articulate, to negotiate in the press, right? Politicians never like to negotiate in the press. Doug Ducey doesn't negotiate in the press. Uh, Joe Biden uh, this week said he didn't want to negotiate in the press. Kirsten Sinema says she doesn't want to negotiate in the press. But there is a difference between negotiating in the press and talking to your constituents, right? I mean, we used to have these like town halls and avenues for elected officials, members of Congress to visit with their constituents all the time. Right. And I remember that gaggle she had this summer, and I believe it was your question to her. And she said something along the lines of, Arizonans know me, which begs the question, don't you care what they want to know and think about as well? And issues evolve over time. And that part of this just didn't seem to uh, be part of the equation at all. Uh, Yvonne, what about uh, the alternative? Because this is the thing that has a lot of uh, people on the left 
wondering, well, what are their options? Uh, some folks have gone so far as to set up a political action committee to support, for example, Representative Ruben Gallego, whom they see as perhaps a much more reliable, progressive ally uh, to challenge her in a Democratic primary in 2024. He said he's not focused on 2024 right now, but do you see him throwing his hat in the ring and, and going against her in a primary? I'm not ruling anything out. What I will say is there seems to be some misunderstandings about the political status of Arizona. We are not a blue state. We are a purple state, and we are barely a purple state. And we owe that status in part to former President Donald Trump's unpopularity among independent voters and among moderate Republicans. Kirsten Sinema owes her stature as a senator in the U.S. Senate in part to those voters. I don't know how a progressive, more progressive um, candidate will be able to pick up the type of support among these constituencies without carrying the same sort of demeanor and style and politics and approach, quite frankly, as Senator Cinema does. So, you know, everyone's a little unhappy and everyone's a lot unhappy at times. And it just seems to me that we're in one of those moments where Democrats are extraordinarily unhappy with her. And uh, knowing her, I don't know that she's losing a lot of sleep over it. That is it for today, Gaggle listeners. While we still have you, please don't forget to rate and review our show and share it with a friend. If you want to reach out to me on Twitter, I'm at Yvonne Winget. As a courtesy note, audio in today's episode came from NBC and Lucha. And I'm at Ronald J. Hansen. That's H-A-N-S-E-N. Today's episode was edited and produced by Maritza Dominguez. Thanks so much for listening to The Gaggle, a podcast from the Arizona Republic and azcentral.com. Also be sure to check out Valley 101, an Arizona Republic and azcentral.com podcast that answers all of your questions about the Valley. From silly to serious, you ask the questions and we find the answers. For The Gaggle, I'm Yvonne Winget Sanchez. We'll see you next week.